This episode of FileMaker Talk is sponsored by FileMakerHosting.com, offering dedicated and shared FileMaker cloud hosting for clients worldwide, starting at $14.95 per month. Learn more at FileMakerHosting.com. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today, my guest is Chris Ippolite. Welcome. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you today. So you're, let's see, iSolutions, and what's your, is that your main company name these days, or have you switched it up? Nope, iSolutions, um, L.A. and Chicago-based FileMaker FBA Platinum member. Chicago, I didn't know you had an office in Chicago. Yep, have an uh, office in Chicago, pretty excited about that, got some new things popping with that that we'll be talking about around DevCon, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm from Milwaukee originally, so for me that's kind of like the hometown office, but uh, I'm based out of the Los Angeles office. And you've got a couple of sessions at DevCon, and one of them is the subject of this podcast, and that's HTML5. That That's correct. I actually have three sessions. Three? Uh, well, two of them. I, I manage the uh, FileMaker training series track uh, on behalf of FileMaker each year at DevCon. And so, therefore, I'm doing um, sort of like emceeing um, the, the track. Like, I'm introducing all the different uh, people who are going to be speaking on the track and talking about what sessions they're doing and stuff like that. And then I do one on why everybody should get certified, which is uh, on the final day of, of DevCon. But the one that I'm really fired up about, or I should say obsessed about, is this one, the intro to FileMaker and HTML5 that I'm doing on Tuesday morning of DevCon. Hmm. Tuesday morning, like at what, 9 a.m.? Yeah, 9 a.m. First session. So it's the, yeah, it's the first session, which is great. I it would be great to get it out of the way, but I have one again, you know, late at the very last session of oh, the week as oh, well. But yeah. uh, but this is the one I'm really fired up about, mm-hmm. man. I, I Honestly, I haven't been as passionate about a topic as this in some time. So I just am giddy about the fact of getting in front of people and sharing all this stuff with folks at DevCon. Yeah, I remember you, you did ones on Flash. I remember when Flash used to be relevant. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, well, must, that, I mean, that must hurt. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hurts a little bit, uh, but that's really where all this comes from, right? I mean, um, we were doing some really fun and cool things with Flash and embedding them into web viewers and extending uh, FileMaker layouts to places where they've never been. Uh, and then the you know the uh, iPads or iOS comes mm-hmm. out, and of course we didn't have any uh, f- uh, Flash support, so yep. we switched gears very rapidly here at iSolutions. I. I I'm not going to say that everybody did it with uh, without some reservation, but everyone's on board now. We went right to HTML5, and that allows us to do basically the same exact things we were doing before um, as far as what we're doing with FileMaker, but <clears throat> now we can actually share it on iOS, which is really the big the big deal here. Right. But there's some other added benefits, too, beyond... I mean, this doesn't really... This isn't a apples-to-apples comparison to Flash by any means. Um, sure, I, I get that. I'm just... Uh, Flash was hugely important and for a really long time. Um, yeah, agreed. And, the, and I, I this, never... the problem that it solved is solved by HTML5, really, I would say. Honestly, it was like the fall of Rome. Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming, right? I mean, I don't think anybody saw the device explosion coming, but um, but it happened. There's no question about it. And not only does HTML... Well, and really what kind of ushered it in, to be honest with you, Matt, is that there's this battle going on about video codecs, you know that's sort of this sort of unknown thing mm-hmm. behind the scenes, and Steve Jobs was really behind uh, HTML5. As, as a matter of fact, one of the two original engineers on this um, on this standard was an Apple guy. Was you know he was um, <clears throat> sorry, 
he was handpicked by Steve Jobs to actually get this thing going. And what they wanted to do is come up with a Google killer for YouTube video, right? Mm-hmm. But Google embraced it. So, you know, fast forward after the Apple and Adobe sort of tiff, I guess we could call it. And now what it's actually happened, this has actually ushered in sort of an aggressive growth of this HTML5 concept. And um, I think it has some very, very, very interesting and specific uh, um, upside for FileMaker developers, too. And that's, you know, that's really what I'm looking about, looking forward to sharing with you. So let's step back and and, uh, define it, because you were mentioning to me earlier that HTML5 is not just one thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's arguably the number one buzzword in all of the technology world, right? I mean, it's everywhere. And what re- people are really talking about, I mean, HTML5 definitely does, it definitely has its own features. There's things that you can do. Like HTML5 is significantly different from its predecessors in that there's better handling for audio and video and uh, dragging and dropping and those kind of activities and even local web storage. So that's really what HTML5 is. Hmm. But 90% of the time when people refer to something as HTML5 or are thinking about HTML5, they're actually talking about a combination of technologies. They're actually talking about modern HTML, CSS, and JavaScript all combined together. And in in the case of FileMaker, adding some dynamic data on there too. So it really, HTML5 is a brand. I think that's probably the best way to... Dynamic data, you mean like JSON or yeah, well, jQuery? Now, yeah, now JSON... It is JSON's the the standard for uh, jQuery or for uh, JavaScript and uh, unpackaging or delivering data to any kind of application that's using JavaScript. But it's a format, so it's the how you're wrapping your FileMaker data. But the data itself can come from something like a FileMaker database, and that's sort of this technique that I'm going to be talking about with people. Let's let's step back on some of these terms. Um, I'm not going to assume that everyone knows what they all mean. Um, Good idea. Well, obviously HTML we can all kind of remember as the uh, at the very base level is tags, right? B and slash B for bold and yep. And and really, yeah, you're right. You nailed it. And actually, what HTML5 is it are some new tags and some new support for how that stuff gets interpreted. And of course, it's not just the HTML; it's the browser support for this standard. Right. So so really, what the emergence of HTML really means is that modern day browsers can actually parse this stuff. Yeah. So, so like can actually uh, the, do things the, with the it. future. Of beta version of Internet Explorer 13, I think, might be adding some of this. <laughs> yeah, 14, actually. When, Let's when, not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, does IE, what is IE story on it? Because obviously uh, Chrome, Firefox, and Safari are all totally HTML5 happy. Not only happy, but those are actually authoring environments for HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. Okay. But uh, IE, well, it's funny, because one of the things, one of the advantages, just to go back to Flash back in the day, is that we didn't have to take into account the browsers because you're really just creating a mini application, right? And you're wrapping it up and the and the the plugin is what allows it to deliver. But now you got to take into account every single browser and IE shocker, brace yourself Matt, is the most complicated and difficult one to work with. So a lot of times what you're doing is you're choosing javascript <clears throat> libraries to embed into these HTML5 applications. Mm-hmm. And you have to pick a whole different one just for IE. Now that's sure. spe- well, it, IE still, if you look at the browser wars, Chrome was winning now. I mean, it looked like for a long time that Firefox was totally going to be the winner, but Firefox has been on the decline, and Chrome is now the dominant browser. It is, and I use that for for authoring JavaScript uh, applications actually because it's got a great console in there and error checking. It's basically like um, I use Chrome uh, when I'm doing the equivalent of what the script debugger would be in FileMaker, and it's really pretty impressive. Hmm. Now, here's the thing, though. 
when we're talking about HTML5 as it pertains to FileMaker, all we care about are Safari, the iOS browsers, and then uh, IE, and that's because the, you're, we're working with web viewers. And oh, true. Mu- and much to the chagrin mm-hmm. of many developers, uh, you, we can't repoint it to Chrome or something super awesome and cool like that. We have to uh, – well, it's actually great that yeah, that's it, it that's does because minimize. FileMaker under the hood uses on the Mac the Safari core. Yep, um, exactly. Which is uh, WebKit. WebKit. Yep. And they, for whatever reason, did not choose to use WebKit. Well, at the time, WebKit wasn't really built into Windows. That's correct. Um, yep. And I, don't even I know it seems like it would be obvious now, but back when this decision was made to wire in web viewers, which was a, quite some time ago, yeah. actually. That's true. Um, it was. It was 8.5, wasn't it? Yeah, 8.5, like 2006, I think, yeah. something like that. So, um, so the good news, though, is if you want to build applications into your FileMaker web viewers, you really only have to concern yourselves with uh, IE and Safari. Now, Safari is a little bit of heavy lifting, so be it. Um, but the way that I've actually been sort of mitigating that is by actually building applications using JavaScript that's supported on iOS, which then handles iOS and the desktop for Safari. And then I just have to put some you know code, have some code considerations in there for IE, and there's no shortage of them. Okay. So there's a couple of other things you mentioned, CSS, cascading style sheets. Yeah, and believe it or not, we all, us FileMaker folks already know what this is, right? Um, the Really, the FileMaker 12. Yeah, themes. Yeah. That's what themes are. And, and, I, and I think that's really important. I'm glad we're pausing for a moment and we're talking about this in the context of this discussion of, on HTML5 technologies um, because all that really cha- – I mean, there's a ton that changed in 12, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the product uh, and that version. But the, all that changed from the layout tool and management standpoint and this whole new themes thing is that we're using cascading style sheets, which is what CSS is, in particular CSS3. And FileMaker is, has created these style sheets for us and allows us to apply them to our layouts. So that's actually what's going on behind the scenes, and that's exactly what happens on web technologies – uh, where you build a bunch of pages or some dynamic pages uh, with data in them, and then you apply a theme to them, and that's what a style sheet is. I have to confess that I pretty much only use warm blue. As the th- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a wheat guy myself. Wheat, yeah, that's a yeah, good one. I was, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much just classic now in the 12 era. Classic, not well, basic. you know. No, <laughs> basic. <laughs> no, I, do, I mean, I, I like a touch layout every now and then, too. You know, for yeah, the, the touch that, ones are good. Yeah. yeah. I used Wave for a while. It was pretty nice. Well, no, it's, it, I mean, it is cool. And really, I mean, we're talking about style sheets. Yep. You know, and I think people get it. And, and I think there's, I mean, if we squint really hard and look into the future, we can probably say, well, we've broken the seal on this, right? I mean, it, it's probably, it's probably makes a little bit of sense that this type of thing might be useful moving forward. So, yeah. um, and that's really why we committed so hard internally at iSolutions to HTML5 technology. We saw it coming with CSS mm-hmm. with themes. We wanted to learn that. I still think that for any, you know, all those up-and-comer FileMaker developers looking to make a make some waves in the industry, my advice to them is to learn CSS and now learn some HTML5 mm-hmm. and JavaScript as well. And I think you're going to go to the head of the class pretty quickly. So then and JavaScript and Java, a lot of people confuse those two things, but they're really unrelated, aren't they? Oh, my God. Thank God they are. Um, <laughs> because Java, of course, is a thing that you and I are huge fans of. As a matter of fact, people don't know it, but we're both wearing I Heart Java t-shirts right now oh, yeah. as we're recording this podcast. And your funny knock-knock joke that you told me off-air oh, yeah. uh, here as well. But um, Java is that thing that we all hate. 
and that's what uh, drives the admin console, or doesn't, I guess I should say, and the thing that's constantly being updated for security purposes. Um, and that's totally different than JavaScript. Right. JavaScript is a language that we can... Basically, you can code an entire application into some JavaScript uh, files. They're just plain text files, and they're extremely popular. This is not new. Um, at all. And there's communities, there's all sorts of communities out there. And if you're interested in learning more about it, you can go to something like jQuery.com and you can see that people will write an entire application. They might say something like, hey, here's how you can drag and drop an image on screen into another object or something. Mm -hmm. And you can just go and find this, this code that's already written for you and literally just copy and paste it or embed it right into the, the project that you're doing. And it's legal, license-free, you know, there's one big kind of overarching license for everything. Um, but it's like, hmm. it's, it's open source. It's a, there's a whole community around it. So, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing with FileMaker, to be totally honest, um, I didn't know anything about JavaScript at all when I started putting my, dem- my demos together. Luckily, I have good support here on staff, mm-hmm. but I was able to learn it really rapidly by just going to some of these things like jQuery, and I'll show a couple of these in my session as yeah, well. Yeah, you had also um, mentioned another really a cool example, which is apple.com slash HTML5. Yeah, I, I, I urge people to check it out. They've got what they call the HTML5 showcase there, and um, I think it's like, I don't know, they keep adding to it, but it's like eight or nine different things that really showcase what the HTML5 or these new web technologies are. Um, and to speak to the point that HTML5 is really a brand that stands for HTML5, CSS, and JavaScript, mm-hmm. only two of those nine things actually are just HTML5 alone. And I think one of them is a video thing where they just embed video using the new HTML5 video tag, and another one's audio. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, there's like movement and animation and dragging and dropping and cool visual stuff that's happening. That's all the JavaScript. Yep. Yeah. One other thing I think we should point out is, like Flash, Java will not work on iOS. But JavaScript does. Yes, excellent point. Now, the, with the caveat that your browsers need to have this, need to allow the ability for it to work, and that those are all default. Um, some people do turn it off. You know, like same kind of thing with the old Flash thing. Like they uh, feel it's a security risk or something like that. But, um, but yeah, JavaScript itself will work on iOS. So everything that I've done. Uh, every everything that we've built, we've been building things using HTML5, JavaScript, and CSS for our clients. And then I've been doing a, just a ridiculous amount of demo creation for DevCon. And all of everything I build on the desktop works on the iOS. That's beautiful. Because, because I'm making decisions on which JavaScript libraries I'm using. See, so, so now we're getting to the point where we can talk about, okay, that's what these technologies are. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what problems, uh, A, what you can actually do with it, and B, how is it actually really easy to do with it, and how can you borrow a lot of the things, the widgets that are moving parts from other open source places? Well, that's the part that I'm most excited about, and you know, I, I, I spent a bunch of time putting demos together, and now I've spent just weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure out how I can impress upon people how simple this is, mm-hmm. right? And I think I finally got it down. And the way I can tell it without having you know visual props here is by saying. Uh, okay, well, first of all, why would we need it? Well, there's some things that we can't do natively inside our FileMaker layouts. Um, not, not one of the examples that I'm going to show at DevCon is how to create a Gantt chart. You know, that's been on one, like the top five list for things that FileMaker developers have wanted. So I'm showing an example in a file that I've got where I just went on and I Googled HTML5 Gantt charts. I found one on a website 
um, that had free downloads, and it gave me an HTML file or an HTML file, and then a some supporting JavaScript and CSS. And I don't know anything about the JavaScript. I just have to reference it inside this HTML. So the trick here is I can create a Gantt chart, let's say, or let's say dragging and dropping features, which everybody loves, um, especially on the iOS. And all I got to do is go find a, li- a JavaScript library that supports it. And then I reference those libraries. Now, people have been doing this for web applications, Matt, for years, mm-hmm. right? This isn't anything new. But this technique that I'm talking about is new. And why it's new is because instead of having a web viewer that just points to some web address where you know it just runs a web application, mm-hmm. I'm actually taking all the, the files, these JavaScript files I've been talking about, these CSS files, and I'm creating a table in, a, in my FileMaker databases and then creating global fields for each one of these. And I'm literally just copying and pasting the entire library of JavaScript into a bunch of fields in FileMaker. And then I just point to them in a bunch of my calculations in the development environment. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to know anything about the JavaScript. I just have to know that when I point to them, it will do something. And do something cool that I can't do natively inside FileMaker. Yeah, I think the... I've done some stuff like that for like web services with the web service yeah, plugin. Yeah, it's, it's the same approach. Yeah. And, um, and you can't really put that stuff into a, a variable. You kind of have to have it in a field uh, so that the quotes get wrapped and don't get messed up. But Yeah, that's, part, that's the tricky part. You spend some time in, your, in the calculation engine kind of wrapping things and escaping things for, mm-hmm. for quotes because HTML has tons of those. Mm-hmm. But if you just paste all of your – if you paste all the code into a field – you can just reference the field and you don't have to worry. None of that stuff needs to be captured mm-hmm. inside the field. Now, you did mention variables, and I will tell you that that is a big part of this technique. I do store the information inside the file, but when I open up the file and I, I, I open up the session, I'm saving all that to application memory. So every JavaScript file in the library gets a you know double dollar sign global variable that I point to. And the reason for that is just so I don't have, you know, if it's on a hosted you know, FileMaker client server sort of uh, environment. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep going back and forth to the server using up all that bandwidth. But the real main reason that I embed all this stuff right in the file is because I can have a fully functional, cool, interactive drag and drop FileMaker database on my iPad without a web connection and be able to use everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was pointing to a web server, I'd be dead have in the water. To be online. That, right? that totally makes sense. Yeah. So the idea is I, I, I call this that idea localizing. I've been using that terminology, and what that means is take everything, all the code that I would ever reference in my application and build it into the database. Now, there's some overhead, right? You know, it, it, it's a ton of data. Sometimes it, these JavaScript files are like 20,000 rows long, but, I mean, it's, it's a really no huge consequence when it comes to FileMaker. I mean, I, I, uh, we, you and I shared that, uh, desk, or that iPad uh, example it's like six megabytes, and it's got just you know tons and tons and tons of JavaScript embedded in there, and tons and tons of actual FileMaker mm-hmm. data. But it's still portable via email and stuff like that. So, but I call that localized, and I'm going to show people how to do it. I'm actually going to go through the. Well, actually, what I have been doing for a few months now is um, doing a series of screencasts on uh, my blog, which is FileMakerHTML5.com. And I've got maybe, I don't know, 10 or so cool demos where I walk people through it. I even um, walk people through the concept of go and find some code, look at the code, embed the code into the database, and then reference it all and have FileMaker do all sorts of really cool stuff. So really the impression I want to make on people is that it's pretty high-end stuff and you can do just 
unreal, super cool, uh, imaginative things uh, and useful things inside your FileMaker layouts, but it's really not that difficult. You don't need to know anything about CSS. You don't need to know anything about JavaScript. If you can copy and paste, Matt, and I know you can. I've seen you do this. You're very good at it. I can, if you I can, can do, do it with just my left hand, actually. <laughs> two, just, 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 just two fingers, actually. Now you're just bragging. <laughs> but you, if you can do that, you can, you can build you know, interactive, cool, dragging and dropping, awesome animated things that you can build into your layouts and not have to be connected to the web to do it. That's an awesome message. I'm l- really looking forward to see the, the types of things that you can uh, do with it with that. Yeah, and, and I, I think the important thing is not just doing stuff just to be wacky, but, you know, like... Right, solving real back, problems, yeah. Yeah, solving real problems. The type of stuff that we've been doing for our clients so far, building in, like, mapping-type things uh, mm-hmm. and little, you know, kind of widgets that are just sort of in a certain part of a layout where the layout isn't in a, just a huge web viewer. It's just here in the corner is a little thing that's doing something kind of funky um, that FileMaker couldn't do on its own, and unbeknownst to the user, that just happens to be a web viewer running JavaScript. And then, of course, you know, back in the... Flash days, we sort of hung our hats on this uh, a whole bunch of uh, Flash seeding chart things that we had done, mm-hmm. and um, we just deployed a project for uh, one of our clients over at MIT that's a HTML5 fully interactive uh, uh, like ballroom setup like for fun- fundraisers mm-hmm. where you can go in and build a room save a bunch of tables inside FileMaker. You have a bunch of guests that you're managing in FileMaker, and they show up in a pick list, and you can drag and drop them onto seats and spit out all these reports. So it's totally functional stuff that you could never do um, you know, in just FileMaker layouts right. alone. And it all works on the iPad, which oh, is amazing. Oh, yeah, it's great. And, and that's something like, you know, obviously I couldn't do with Flash, but um, mm-hmm. when you think about what the iPad can do just from its mobility and extensibility and then it and really I think this technology is even more important on iOS because people are used to dragging and swiping and moving things around you know from the app environments and and, th- and integrating this type of technology allows our filemaker go applications to be even more app like than exactly we could yeah yes filemaker go really still is filemaker on the yeah. iPad right at and the end of the day and it's it's definitely moving in the direction, and it has steadily moved in the, in the in that direction since it first came out to give us more of the features of iOS. And you know, FileMaker has some things in there that really only make sense for iOS. You know, camera, for example. Yeah, it's um, and which are cool. You know, signature capture and things like that that are mm-hmm. specific to the iOS that right. are really neat. Uh, but yeah, the, this technology allows you to just go crazy. And I mean, you, it's you know, people are using the combination of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript to do really amazing things already. You know, like Todd Geist's uh, products uh, that he's put out with the, uh, the draw and go stuff draw, like that. Go Draw, Go Maps. Yeah, that's what, yeah. the Go Maps, that's what go you're Zinc. seeing. That's what that is. And the new one coming out called Go Crazy. Oh, wait, no, that's go- yours. <laughs> that's yours, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one actually is old. Yeah, that happened a yeah, long time long ago. long time ago. Um, but yeah, the, people are using it, and really what I'm talking about doing is, is showing people how this can be really approachable. And the thing is, there's some really cool cool stuff going on here that's just FileMaker that I'm introducing into this technique. Like the concept of FMP URLs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know that, that this is something that's been around uh, from versions from, for a long time now. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, if people don't know what an what a FMP URL is, they can just go into their FileMaker database right now that we know they have open as they're listening to this podcast and go under the file menu and share a uh, snapshot link or share a link to the database I suppose I should probably know what it is. And up pops an email in your in your mail program, and it's formatted as an FMP URL. So it shows the IP address, 
and then the name of a file that's hosted at that IP address. Yes, FMP colon instead of HTTP colon. Yeah, it's just a URL scheme. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all, as a culture, so a web culture, so used to HTTP or maybe even FTP, but now mm-hmm. there's FMP as well. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it, in that case, you know, with the sharing a link, if you click on that link, it's going to go to that server and recognize that it's looking for FileMaker and then open up that file, right? But in 12... That was further enhanced. So FMP URLs now allow us to run scripts in FileMaker databases mm-hmm. and pass parameters to those scripts or even an unlimited string of variables to those scripts. Like a set of records so that you can actually yeah. get to a found set upon opening the file. Yeah. Yep, or pass an array. Like in that, you know, the seating chart thing that I was talking about, mm-hmm. I we click on a guest and we drop them on a seat and then we send a script back to the database that says, oh, here's the ID of the person and the ID of the seat we sat them on. Go create a record for them, right? And what's cool about the FMP URLs is that you can embed those just like any other kind of href for those that are familiar with um, uh, with HTML. The mm-hmm. href is just like an open URL script step, but right. in HTML. Which JavaScript- has two parts. It has the visible part and the actual code part. Yes, ex- right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, even JavaScript has something called window.location, which is basically like an uh, open URL. But if you embed those into your actions, like let's say you want to drag you know, an image onto a box and have something happen when you do that, mm-hmm. in your JavaScript and HTML, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to drag, and then there's like a little thing that says on release, make a URL appear. Hmm. I could make the URL just go to apple.com, or I can make it an FMP URL that says, when I drag something on top of this other object, let's say, go run a script that reports the XY coordinates of this particular piece uh, in FileMaker. So what it, what it allows us to do is have complete round-trip communication between the web viewer embedded in a FileMaker layout and the database that that web viewer is embedded within. Nice. It's really super sweet, and, huh. and, and it's all FileMaker 12 and beyond stuff. So really, you know, the technique that I'm talking about is knowing FileMaker web viewers. You know those. Everybody knows those mm-hmm. uh, as a layout object. Uh, FMP URLs, which might be a little bit of an introduction to these, but um, it's, it's pretty easy to grasp. A little bit of JavaScript, some CSS, a little bit of HTML. And then the other part is if you understand FileMaker calculations, because the technique I'm going to show talks about using the FileMaker calculation engine to draw HTML, Right. And as you and I both know, a web viewer is really just an unstored calculation that results in HTML that can be read by a browser. If you think through it, an huh. unstored calc that results in, instead of like a number or a text or a container or something, it results right. in HTML, a web page, something that sure. can be read by your web browser. So what I'm doing is I'm tricking that unstored calculation into drawing HTML and then going in every time like the data gets updated in the background, going and refreshing that HTML or that JavaScript in sort mm-hmm. of like an Ajaxy way um, and having people see stuff on screen. So like I'll show a Gantt chart in my session and when I move one of the tasks for one of the collaborators that's represented on the Gantt chart or I change the date on it, you'll see it automatically refresh. Oh, so you're visually modifying the Gantt chart, which actually is updating data in FileMaker? And actually, or updating data in FileMaker, which updates the Gantt chart. Yeah, in my example, it's it's drawing based on data in uh, FileMaker, but uh, you could go either way. You could have some JavaScript in there that allows you to interact with it and drag it, and then it goes back to the FileMaker records and changes updates. those dates wow, and those that's, values. That's probably a lot harder. <laughs> it is a lot. It's definitely a lot harder. Yeah. I, I got to keep the fruit kind of low hanging for for myself here, but. Sure. Uh, but yeah, but the idea is that the data that's in FileMaker can be displayed and visualized in 
you know, unlimited ways uh, this, through this technique. Well, that's exciting stuff, Chris. Yeah, I'm really fired up about it, and we've got, what, like a week or so before we head off to San Diego? Yeah, I know. It's coming very, very quickly. <laughs> and I will be spending all of that week obsessing over, um, you know, try not to do the thing where we say, oh, I got one more idea that I'm going to put in there at the last minute. I'm going to try to keep myself from doing that, but I've got, I've got about 90 minutes worth of stuff I'm going to try to fit into a 75-minute session right mm. now. The mistake that I'm going to try to not repeat, because on one of my my other session, other than the FileMaker Go year in review, is a search one, and I'm going to try to get the two or three really really cool things that I really want to impart early, and not the not at the end. That's the move. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I've, this session that I'm doing at DevCon, I did it. I've, I've done it at uh, I did it at Pause, um, which was a great environment to get good feedback. I've gone in front of FM Disk and a bunch of other. Uh, user groups and got some good feedback and the the feedback is just what you said do some splash at the beginning don't save the reveal to the end you and i are reveal guys we were talking about that earlier but uh right when you walk in the room at my session at exactly nine o'clock you're going to see cool stuff up on screen it's like one of those action movies where you just get right to the car, car james case. bond yeah yeah james bond i'm not even roll the credits not even the who am i just jump right <laughs> into cool stuff up on screen so make sure to get there early hmm. and get properly caffeinated and by the way matt i have here's a teaser for those of you going to devcon if you come to my session you're not going to believe what i am giving away for free at this session. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do my best not to talk myself out of it in yeah. the meantime. I won't let you. That's my, <laughs> that's my little tease. So I look forward to you know having a couple people show up and uh, having some fun with this with me. Are you giving away uh, illicit 20 gigabyte files of data? Oh, that what, was my original idea. Oh, that's uh, my I, my <laughs> yes. reveal. Which, by the way, I sign off on that. That is legit, and that is cool. Um, that's bigger than the no-call database that, that was in the FileMaker 7 Roadshow back in the day. I, I won't say what it is, but I will, I will, to anyone who has a flash drive, actually, I think the file compresses down to much smaller, but I have a pretty useful, it compresses down to 5.11 gigs. Hmm. Um, Which is a, a, a impressive. A table of data that's, uh, that's in the public domain that will trip you out that it actually is available. And which one of your sessions is that for? That's going to be in the search one. Of course, because just, you want to show people how you can search against just ridiculous uh, data sets and indexes. Part of it, or, yeah. Part of it's just like what metadata, you know, what, what other tables of data could be useful. You know, there's really simple examples like um, uh, a list of all the states or a list of all the cities in the state or uh, a list of area code locations. Little things that when you're using the application, not so much for searching, but like to make data entry better. Well, and I, I think that's meaningful, too, because all too often as developers, we get into this like test data mode where we've got like a thousand records and we do all our programming and then we deploy and then the client accumulates 20 gig worth of data yeah. and we don't know if our approaches are still going to be sound. Oh, at that so time. true. Yeah. You have to test against large sets of data. And it sounds like you've got one. And as we all, as we know, size matters. So you're in first place. And this is nowhere near my biggest file. My biggest file is about 180 gigabytes FileMaker database. Of just text, no containers. Just text, or no, no containers, right. Good Lord. That sounds like the government's involved. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you could reveal that or not or if I've said too much. I think that one's actually just kind of random data. It's just I just wanted to see what would happen if you had over a billion records. And I was working to build a 10 billion record FileMaker table. <laughs> what? Um, and you achieved it. No, I haven't built 10 billion. I think I'm, I don't even know if I'm at two. It takes... It takes weeks for FileMaker to just create a billion records. And that makes, that makes sense. 
So you're saying that um, you don't have weeks? Well, see, the interesting thing is if you've got this is getting getting geeky, and, but I think it's fascinating. If you have a text, uh, let's say you have a table that's phonic that has one billion records and it's unindexed. Mm, okay. And you go, oh, I should index this so I can search against it. That well, takes a week. Yeah, the inventory, right, because it has to take inventory. It has to go touch and catalog every single record that you have in that database. Right, it has to, to build an index on one field in one billion records takes about a week. And to bring that back around, we're happy that that takes a week because otherwise every one of your searches would take a week because then they'd be going and touching every record well, actually, and taking Well, actually, I really wish that the index could be built vastly faster than that because while the index is being built, it's not using 100% of my computers. I'm not sure what it's doing. <clears throat> but on the other side of that, once that index is built, it can find a record in that file instantly. Right. So searching against a billion records... Um, if you're finding one record or a hundred records or a thousand records is exactly as fast as if you were searching against a thousand records. It still blows my mind to this day. I talk about this in my training classes all the time when people are talking about the speed of searches, even something you know yeah. on the local area network. And it constantly blows my mind, the performance that indexes provides us. And, and what yeah, people don't true. know is under the hood, that's how our relationships are being driven too. Yep. When you navigate to a record that's got tens of thousands of related records in a portal or something like that, mm -hmm. that's indexes doing their job there, too. Yep. Now, of course, if you do a search and you say, hey, show me, do a query that finds half the data in that table and shows you a half a billion records, yeah, now you're going to be waiting for a long time. Right, because you've got other things like some display heavy lifting and, and layouts involved and you know, pushing no, just, data just, over the network. Just purely, well, not even records. Like on an SSD, if you just said, do a search for all the numbers that have the, the number five mm, in this see, huge thing, saying. or start with the number five so you get like a tenth of them or something, it takes forever to do that. So the, the size of the found set is extremely important in it when you do a, a find. Interesting. And that's and the other the, thing I learned out of that. And this <clears> is stuff that you're going to be talking about in that session, too. Uh, to some degree. This is... That was really you kind of a like different. You sound like you're not sure if you know what you're going to be talking about. Well, no, about I, I, I definitely session. do. I'm, the other, the main thing I'm going to be talking about is relevance ranking and search. That's kind of the big. Oh, that's cool. So, like, like on a lot of websites that you go to, where you're saying this is percent relevant to whatever your search criteria was. Um, like, you go to something and say, "Well, yeah. I'm looking for restaurants in, you know, Newport Beach or whatever," and and it tells you what percent relevant it is to that criteria. Or well, something. there's some of that, but that's actually trickier to do. But even just to get like relevance of what you searched on versus what your what the records are in your database, and to store some metadata on that mm. in, a, in an automated way, so that search kind of learns as it goes, and and sort of thinking through what how Google does what they do, and of course they can they have a gigantic amount of metadata that they can use. Um, yeah, so there's like, your example. Like a good Google. example, if you search for someone who's famous and you type their name wrong. Like Matt Navarre. I, I put three R's Or you it. put in Chris Abelite and you spell it C-H-R-I-S. Yes. By the way, it'll correct you and say C-R-I-S. Yeah. It, it right. was like so a, how, does, how do they do that? That's a good question. Well, I have the answer. Ooh, there's <laughs> your teaser. Answer. I don't so know if it's the way Google does it, but... So we've properly teased Well, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and even tell you because, uh, you know... It's interesting, I think. So essentially what you're doing is you're making a connection between the first search that someone does when they go okay. to Google. Okay. So, so imagine Google has nothing on it yet, and you go to Google and you search for Chris Hippolyte and you spell it wrong. Okay. And then you go, oh, that's right. His name doesn't have an H. It's just C-R-I-S. But does this mean that they're logging the search somewhere? Yeah. So they're tracking, wow. all the, they're tracking each search that you do and what you type into the thing. And then you go, oh, that's it. C-R-I-S, Hippolyte. 
there's the page, iSolutions, boom, click. So now they go, oh, well, the first search you did was CHRIS, and the record you clicked on was CRIS. Oh. I'm going to make a record in a, in a table that connects those two things so that the next time you or anybody else does a search for CHRIS Ippolite, it's going to show them the page that you clicked on. It's going to make save them the click. And then at, right. when people do that tens of thousands of times, or in the case of my name, two or three times right. on Google, then it just logs that. So somewhere behind Google is like the craziest database ever. Yes, definitely. That's because, because they're getting that across all users. And we can get that to, uh, you know, we can get a fraction of that anyway in FileMaker really easily. And that's like the big, that's the biggest sort of thing that I've, I've been um, learning and playing with uh, in search lately. Ooh, I like it. Well, you've you've been presenting very interesting things regarding searching in FileMaker over a series of dev cons, and this sounds like the latest in a in that series for us. And I'm glad that we're not speaking at the same time because I can come and see your session. <laughs> and I get to come see yours too. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I'm speaking uh, let's see, Tuesday morning, I'm speaking right after you. I'm at ten thirty here at nine. Yep, ten forty five actually 1045. is when you're on. I'm, I'm starting at, at 10.30, so if you're not, you know. Oh, <laughs> that's how quick your searches are. They happen before anything even starts. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I actually will be in the room at about 6 a.m. Uh, preparing and running through this my session like three or four times, or two times, I guess, before uh, people get in the room. But, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, Matt, I am really fired up. I'm not saying that I'm not always fired up when I do DevCon sessions, but this one's just completely... Especially. I've, I'm just all wrapped up in it. That's and I awesome. hope I can share that enthusiasm with people. And, and again, I you know I promise to be giving stuff away to people that they're not going to believe I'm giving away. That is awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's not money. It's not money. Yeah. Although we can negotiate. It depends. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Bring a bunch of rolls of pennies. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I got the DevCon fever. You know, gonna. I'm driving down to uh, San Diego because I'm a Los Angeles guy, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't wait to make that transition. So I'm not even worried about all the travel that usually comes with, like last year, having to go all the way to Miami or something oh, like yeah. that. But uh, um, yeah, Miami cool. was tough. Yeah, Portland to Miami actually is the longest flight in the in the U.S. That makes sense. That would be like L.A. <laughs> to Portland, Oregon. Or not Oregon, or Portland, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. sorry. Yep, yep, which I've unfortunately done that myself. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. There's a bunch of stuff I can't wait to see. And I'm excited to have this big session being the first one so that I can exhale afterwards and then go to your session and a bunch of other folks and check out what people have going on. All right, Chris, always great to talk to you. Pleasure, Matt. Thank you. 